0: Hello, and welcome to the Natural Evolution Podcast produced by Rebel Health Tribe. I'm Michael, and I'll be your host. Together, we will be hearing inspiring stories of healing and transformation, learning from some of the brightest minds in the world of functional medicine and holistic wellness, and exploring the world's best health related products, services, tools, and resources. We are live. I am here today with Dr. Michelle Veneziano. Michelle, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And yeah, this will be fun. Uh, I always enjoy our conversations. Michelle, for those who don't know, Dr. Veneziano is a family physician and an adjunct clinical professor at Toro University in Northern California her approach to osteopathic medicine is rooted in cranio osteopathy, a hands-on evidence-based therapeutic practice that sources both Western and Eastern philosophies to support the body's ability to heal itself. She shares practices and insights for awakening the doctor that resides within each of us for connecting with who we really are and for living in alignment with nature. All right. So I used a few words in there that not everybody might, be familiar with. So before we get into details, I think I want to define a couple of things if that's okay with you. Absolutely. And these are somewhat undefinable, indefined, I don't know the right word there. Uh, Difficult to define, but we'll do our best is, so doctor of osteopathic medicine, people might be familiar with seeing a DO after somebody's credentials. And this can be somebody who practices a more We'll call it alternative or integrative approach. There are also DOs that you might find in an emergency room. Um, Doctor of osteopathic medicine. So I guess I want to first define what is osteopathic medicine or osteopathy before we get into craniosacral.
1: Great, um, I love, this is such a, it's really such a fun conversation and your answer will depend on who you talk to. Um, so from my perspective, firstly, factually, um, MDDO is equivalent in the US in all respects. And we receive similar training, the same training and then osteopaths receive additional training in using our hands um, to do a much more in-depth um assessment of the structure of the body and circulations and um, the connections between the nervous system and the organs and everything. It's really beautifully sophisticated and um, actually dovetails really beautifully with Western medicine, although a lot of DOs find it challenging to do both. So I, for instance, did emergency medicine for quite a while um, and attempted this is great because it leads into the story that I think will illustrate our fun topic today. Um, that I attempted to do both, right? Run this really perceptive, more feeling channel while I had a very active linear mind. And really my medicine is art and science. And I think osteopaths have an opportunity to beautifully combine those two. And um, we also have a lot of MDs who love osteopathic medicine and study it. So you could go through osteopathic school like I did and not really learn the original, the um, foundational craft of osteopathic medicine goes back to the 1800s. And then as medicine became more and more technological and medication focused, there was a time in the 60s when there was an actual opportunity to, to hand in your DO degree and pay a fee and get an MD degree instead. But there was this um, core culture of um, of old school DOs who knew the magic of this um, profession and refused to surrender it. And they just held fast through the time of, um, you know, when breastfeeding wasn't in vogue and, and a lot of, um, you know, really, Um, moving away from nature in the way that we live, that happened in the 50s and 60s. And then as the cultures come more around to, gee, living in alignment with nature has its benefits, this tradition has come forward and become a lot more popular with the students entering school. So you'll find now um, a lot more receptivity and also awareness in, um, you know, people seeking care, that they're looking for some of the original um, benefit, um, you know, real magic of osteopathy. Um, And so I just chose honestly to do both as hardcore as I could. I don't know why I just was driven to do that and I recognized how challenging it was and didn't judge those who, who just didn't choose to pile that much on their plate. So, and then craniosacral is kind of an offshoot of cranial osteopathy. Like I, you, in my bio, I name myself a cranial osteopath. We don't actually use the term craniosacral exactly, um, but there was a DO named Upledger in the eighties who said what we have here, this knowledge is so good. We can't keep it contained in this quite small profession. We need to really make it more available. And so he, uh, it was controversial, and, and he went out and he started teaching massage therapists and physical therapists. And I personally feel like I'm so grateful for that because without having him, him pushing the, the edge there, uh, most people, um, let's just say most people have had experience of craniosacral um, many, many more percentage-wise have been exposed to craniosacral and then the cranial osteopathy it's still a it's a it's a pretty small uh, society. It's almost like a little its own little secret society. So I'm I myself am I'm really about bringing the um, the brilliance and the wisdom of it to more people like that's really what feels like is needed in the world now. So that's my mission.
0: So there was pretty controversial within the like osteopathic community, whether or not this it's almost like letting the secret out of the bag or was it this is ours we should keep this or um, that you they didn't feel that there would be a competency
1: that the all of it all okay. of it um it, it in a sense you could say well there are ways that any methodology could be misused and when we get into working with what it really is about our um subtle relationships in the body and um It's an interesting principle because when you, I I actually believe I named the topic of what we'd focus on today, coherence. It's a coherence is the word of wave motion in the body. Imagine we're all like musical instruments and what we do is bring, is tune the instrument so that all the different motions of the body, wave motions of the body, harmonics and fluid dynamics are all pulsing in this really integrated, coherent, smooth way. And um, this is just essential to life, right? So to say that we would, we would say that, oh, but, but the point of it is, when you reach that place in a person, they become very moldable, We become very fluid. So you really need to not be a bull in a china shop. When you reach into to interface with the body in this really nuanced way, you can have a lot of impact with very little effort. So it's important to remain very present and nuanced with your attention. Um, However, it's really important to be very uh, present and nuanced with your attention in life period. And I think that's the point that we all have this, this innate skill we're born with, right? It's how we used to track game and figure out where to plant our food and how to harvest and what the weather was doing. So we all have this native, ability to tune into nuance and resonance in the environment and it's an it's an essential skill that i i really feel passionately that we're all i I, nobody's not excited about getting back to that state right it feels so much more like life makes sense and we 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 connect with our sense of belonging to something larger through um, resynchronizing uh, as uh, one word I use or coupling, um, in training again with the greater forces of life and nature.
0: Okay. I was curious how you would try to explain it. Cause I've been through some craniosacral therapy myself and my first experience, I, I liked it. I felt great. And then some like Mira, my wife and some of my friends and colleagues were like, well, what is, what is it? What, what do they do? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, what happened? I said, well, I laid on a table and she had a hand under my back of my neck, my lower part of my skull. And that stayed there for a long time. And then I was kind of out of it for a while. Like, was it massage? I'm like, no, her hand didn't really move. And then it was over. And then I felt like I'd gotten a massage, but she didn't touch any of the rest of my body. And I had to sit in the car for like 10 minutes before I drove home because I felt kind of stoned. And (laughs) I was super not stressed. And my body felt really relaxed. And my mind felt relaxed. Like, But all she did was touch her neck. I'm like, I think so. I'm not really sure. And so then the next time I went in, And she was an interesting most craniosacral therapy practitioners I've encountered are pretty interesting people. And she was pretty interesting. And I said, uh, what did Virginia, what did you, what did you do to me? And then she's like, I'll give you the short version. And then 10 minutes later, I didn't understand it any better than I did when I asked the question. And so I never know how to explain it to anybody, but I'm a huge fan and I always recommend everybody goes and gives it a try. But what I learned was that, she was feeling the the tide or the flow of both energy and is that cerebrospinal fluid or is it what is
1: all the I, fluids have to come into um coherence with one with each other so i don't really okay. make one more important than another I'm although sure. you would say that if the cerebral cerebral spinal fluid isn't um You know, like if you're out in the ocean, the swells are laminar waves. There's this smoothness, right? Mm -hmm. This kind of long wavelength. And then when a body, like when you walked into her office, you may have have been more like turbulence, like the water at the edge of the Mm -hmm. ocean. And so you couldn't participate in the larger rhythm of the whole sea, which would have you just be able to kick back and be a part of something huge that would just hold you and support you and move you and really do all the work of living so when we're not actually entrained or synchronized or coherent with those larger forces we feel very out of touch and frenzied i connect with that sense of the ocean in myself and my body i tune into the space outside so it's like i have one leg in that space and then i I have another hand uh, one hand there one hand well i have both my hands on you but part of my awareness is is synchronized with that larger thing and then i'm connecting with you and and i'm like um i'm reconnecting you with it your system just sits pretty much sits there and recognizes the state i'm holding in my body by some kind of mirroring experience. And then in the meantime, I'm putting my hands where my nervous system drops because that's your body telling me almost like an autonomic response test that if you if you support me here, it could be one spot on a tailbone or it's one pivot point, we call them fulcrums. This is the point of um, support that will allow me to organize back to my wave if you just kind of, um, you know, It's like the cat in the hat balancing all the things. You wanna find all the little fulcrums that allow the system to find that sweet spot of resonance and balance. So it's like tuning a musical instrument. You walked out of there coherent and harmonious and that expressed itself in how you felt, what you were inspired to do, how much work it was to be in a body, how much healing could happen, how efficiently all of your physiologic processes could happen. And then I think the biggest piece I'm imparting with the, with the vision I have for the significance of this wisdom is that uh, we are then um, maestros, right? We come in kind of all thumbs, out of tune, making not such great, making not great noise. Um, my daughter and I have code for this because she's really sensitive and she gets scrambled. So she'll say whitewater. Versus not she's not in the swells anymore. She'll say whitewater mom. It's time to go That's it's time to go or time to switch gears to, to bring her back um, But then the patient leaves you left that day and then you're um, What I'm teaching now is a, is like a grouping of things that allow the instrument to stay in tune Because a lot of what we do is we go in we get tuned. We're harmonious everything's um, running on all sin c- cylinders and
0: life like, happens.
1: It's a flow state experience, right It's a very it's actually what what the entirety of existence is doing except us right so so it's not like, oh, what a cool new concept. That's a great idea. It, why, why why isn't life that way? Life is that way. We are out of sync with life. So the practitioner will assist you like a liaison with bringing you back into coherence. And then it's up to us to play the instrument and tune it periodically or notice, oh, it's going out of tune. Let me ground myself. Let me hydrate. Let me get into a body of water. Uh, Let me tune into my heart. Let me notice how I'm relating to my chair. Let me notice what I'm doing when I'm walking. Like, I love what you said when we opened. uh, I think it was before we started the recording, but because um, we were talking about what would we do if we had nothing pulling on our time and, and I like you have this dream of reading a ton and learning a ton, um, being in nature, uh, I also want to do more deeper practices and I'm practicing 24-7 Michael, I'm tuning into this resonance such that no i don't actually do yoga most days i don't actually set aside time i'm in a steep learning curve with developing my book and some other things i'm so excited in that lane and because i'm checking in and attending to the coherent state or the attunement of my instrument all the time um i'm never quite out of it entirely so if say i decide to go crazy one weekend and go windsurfing for two days straight, which normally would destroy a person if they haven't been on a board in three months or something. I don't have that experience. I maintain through this attention to coherence a baseline fitness and hydration state, which is like, just imagine there's an electrical component, right, you get the music, you get the instrument tuned, There's a lot of coherent and powerful wave motion that is actually like static cling on a sock. It takes every cell in your body and inflates it and creates this buoyancy and and literal springiness in the skeleton so that we um, are reversing what we are constantly doing when we're not attuning we're actually deflating imagine a tire is just slowly shrinking and in a body to me it feels like oh you're beef jerky today you just pretty much everything drained out and it's so incremental we don't notice and then in the session we reinflate we literally literally expand you'll see the skin um the skin become more plump and their color comes into the face. This is a very predictable outcome and, um, and we feel fabulous. And then, and then there, I, I literally call this the hydration process, even though when I talk about hydration, I, I'm also referring to life force circulation that the electricity comes in and it's coupled with the water and it's, and it's also, um, supported and held by the state we uh, maintain in our consciousness with our thoughts and our feelings. So a big part of maintaining coherence is, you know, attuning to what we're grateful for and loving feelings. Um, And um, I think I when I was asked to choose a title for this interview, I was like the heart, the heart is really the organizer of everything I'm talking about right? The love frequency, but literally the heart structurally as well. And in terms of our emotions, um, if you want, and even in terms of hydration, uh, the way that the fluids become, um, really efficiently, um, moved and, and, you know, um, reoxygenated and delivered from the cent from the central blood volume to the periphery. There's this pump action. I'm basically describing the instrument I'm talking about as a life force lung or a life force pump. And then we have this experience. Wouldn't it be lovely if we all lived in an experience that was really about a constant microinflation happening at all times. So that we were always expanding, always hydrating, always kind of existing in our fluid potential, and what I experience with adults, even of advanced age, is when they really get this, they can have a car accident and bounce back like a teenager. They start to say things like, gee, I used to take this flight and it would level me and it would take this many days to re, like um, regroup. Um, just imagine I'm, I'm talking about literal a uh, return of uh, resilience and adaptability, right? And this is not, you know, something we're not aware of. We see in very um, hundred year old yogis and martial artists and, um, you know, uh, practitioners of Qigong that they look like, well, they're very youthful. <laughs> they have a lot of energy and they move with this fluid nuance of, of a young body. Like babies, babies are using every cell all the time. All the functions of the body are bright and constantly engaged. Um, so, so it, even just to put it simply, this is attention-based. If you're noticing the um, music coming from your body, tuning into all the waveform and the way that the tissues feel interfacing with that waveform, which could be heat or it could be energy or it could be enthusiasm. Um, It could be, it is literally hot. Like I've gotten, (coughs) since I've gotten the hang of this, I no longer have a cold intolerance because my my basal body temperature is just higher, right? We have, and then what we see people do is they slowly literally cool down, their engine starts to be inefficient and kind of um, losing power. And then they start needing thyroid support and adrenal support, right? And people say, Oh, my problem is I have a thyroid problem. No, you, you have a heat problem and the thyroid's working hard to compensate for it. The, the, the deeper thing is, is the thing I'm talking about this coherence and, you know, natural ability to log on to this larger pool of power and intelligence. That is our fuel that is the source of what that is the source of our power and in life Um, and to the extent that we're not accessing it we're having to compensate in all kinds of other ways
0: i'd like to briefly interrupt this conversation to let everyone know that we've got a free downloadable foundations of wellness starter kit it's available for you right now over at www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations if you'd like a little help organizing and implementing all your learning from this podcast a gift from our team over at rebel health tribe producers of this show and now back to your episode you keep mentioning that there's ways to adjust this um you it is something that someone can do with Mm -hmm. you for you Mm -hmm. aligned with you in a room on a table Mm -hmm. together and there's practices that one can implement moment to moment all the time in the day little things to keep track of or do uh, maybe focused practices that bring the principles of craniosacral to like a self-healing self self Mm -hmm. aligning way perfect i know you're a big fan of those
1: yeah Here's the thing. This is so, it's been so beautiful for me to be um, running my practice in the way uh, and recognizing that literally I'm teaching people to be their own osteopaths. So there's like 80% of what I'm talking about or more. I'm just roughly saying a bigger than half is in the patients or person. I don't even love the word patient, is in their power and... It's as though like the analogy I like, I love is that you're the author of this book. I'm not going to come in and write your book. That's not going to honor your creative process or your relationship with this experience of being in a body. It's it's just so boring and it doesn't really create beautiful outcomes um, that can happen when there's actually right alignment with the roles. So I consider the, the person being treated. Sometimes it's me, the author of the book, And then I love to come in and be the editor with the fresh set of eyes that you will never be because you wrote it. I will see things, I will do very medical things. Sometimes I will attend to something fixed in a particular part of a bone from a trauma and I'll go, oh, well you're incoherent but you can only get this level of, um, what would be the word like, um, volume or voltage in your system because you have this fixation holding the tone down. So I will go in and I'll say, Oh, and by the way, your brain stem's entrapped. So if you're trying to get to the place where incoherence, yes, the nervous system yields. But if the brain stem is entrapped and the cranial nerves aren't free to communicate with the rest of the body, which of course includes the vagus nerve you will reach a certain plateau and 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 then so you will call in someone who can feel that and say ah oh, you have a whole fascial adhesion kind of pattern here It's from old 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 it's it's related to the way you walk maybe it's related to sometimes i'll go in and look at what people's workstations are are like like the incremental things we don't even think about like sitting unconsciously in the wrong chair with the not low level of awareness uh, in the course of a year equals a car accident to my hands, right? So these tiny little things that can be adding no extra time to your day and feel amazing and have your system stay bright all the time with more connection to, when I'm aware of my cells, I get more signals from my body about how to navigate in the world. Like I'll get a distinct, um, surge of something, um, I'll even say heat. Like if something's a yes, my body wants to do it, I'll get this little power surge in my body. If I'm not tuning into that, I might miss the yes that wants to come through toward a certain ask, or I'll miss the no. And then my days may be filled with things that aren't quite aligned with me and I'm gonna have a hard time finding the, wherewithal to tune into those subtle conversations because i've got my day filled with all this unmatched stuff right so actually a lot of what i also do with people is and myself is the sort of the constant conversation of un. Uncrossing some of the wires about what wellness really feels like and what's actually exciting versus what we learn through conditioning is supposed to be the right thing. Because I think we can look at how um, most, most of us live and, and, and how the planet's doing and say that um, maybe our reasoning and logic are not quite informed by this larger body of uh, wisdom and power
0: that would be putting it mildly i think
1: yeah exactly so so i love what you said before we started talking because i was like michael i'm so excited if i had all the time in the world i'd be on a beach and i'd invent my own new form of yoga which is actually something i'm doing maybe for a month i might get bored but the point is if you live in coherence you you know additional exercising is really optional you're kind of exercising all the time you're lubricating and running your Your voltage all the time the current through your body keeping all of your cells lubricated do you think primitive primitive man went and you know got a set of boulder dumbbells and worked out or any of that stuff if you're engaged with your environment in a really um, well engaged if you're really engaged right you're using everything you're interfacing with everything you're curious your body when i'm walking i'm noticing is every cell in my body engaged with this way i'm relating to the ground and i can get a ridiculous workout um i did amazing rehab on a achilles uh, tendon repair i had last year i thought the pt was boring i did not want to do it so i invented it in my body um i did i did the work micro in um, a way that changed over time as my body morphed by tuning in and listening to what was needed through all the movements i was doing throughout my day i think we can all do this um that's what i'm teaching uh it's very very specific i'm also teaching about the relationship of the tongue with the palate because that's almost like a placeholder for the coherence state like next time you get a treatment notice if you're tongues rushing across the roof of your mouth it almost sets it's almost like a placeholder for the entirety of our electrical circulation to orient to this central axis right which which um which is uh it's the organizing reference axis of all the systems in the body the heart's at the center of it and i consider this tongue palate relationship the way down you know our awareness of our pelvis our, our connection with the ground uh, maintaining this orientation to this polar this presence that um, you know above us connects with the heavens below connects with the earth we can rest in this and um, of course all the chakras are related to that and I didn't even know what those were so much And then when I started to get deeper into my work and more experienced, I started to watch, I started to feel areas of brightness just pop on as the body and the, as all the fluids came into coherence, I'm going to call the bones a fluid because when they're humming with this resonance state, it's a literal harmonic experience that in a sense defies solidity or the... The arbitrary assignment of the definition of solidity to any matter, um, especially biological matter. Um, so it's, it's this is a very deep dive, this tongue business. So I, I, I mean, I started out doing this accidentally because I couldn't see everyone in my office, and I said. I said do this handful of things you know i'd send them a little video of of how i sit in this fluid way and how i tune into my breathing and how i um make sure i'm i'm hydrating that's a really intricate fun topic but just do those three things don't sit in a hole make sure your most of your weight is on your thighs free up that midline so it's more like a serpent than a than a rigid pole and um at, at least 50 percent of the time people didn't even need to come in at all and i and i was like oh i'm really on to something like that's so satisfying people get what they need they don't need to spend the time and money to come see me i feel less like an enabler i'm my time is freed up to put attention on the people who who, who actually need me you know they've kind of hit a wall because they. They're doing their work. They're figuring things out. They're processing their trauma and then they get to a point where they need some reflection and grounding and holding and it's really appropriate. Like there's a certain amount of healing that we just need partnership for. And there's a huge amount that uh, we the, the better part of it that we actually give to ourselves. It's like great. It's great to be loved by someone, but it's self-love is the origin, right? I you can't outsource that. I can't do your self-love for you. Um, but I can't. There, there's a. a I'm actually coming back to this harmonious, coherent bit because if life is a symphony, and then my my I'm not supposed to play all the instruments. I am playing my instrument. You're playing your instrument, and then we come together collaboratively. collaboratively and it's ne- it's an uh, it's a product of the moment and the and the, what is being called for and how um, you know what state and um, work we bring to the table. It's new every time. It's a deeply creative process. Being in a body is a deeply creative process, but only if you're actually present to know that to experience it. Right? It can completely pass you by if you if you. If your conditioning is such that you um, kind of go to sleep and go on autopilot and, and check out. So it's not, it's that, it's not fun. Like you said something about self-care practices, their kind of work. And I'm like, wait, erase, erase that. It's just the opposite, right? It's where's the joy in it? Where's the ease in it? Where's the belonging in it? I mean, as I'm saying these words, I'm getting this whole flood of, happiness and heat and it's like my body's going exactly tell them tell them (laughs) help them remember who they actually are because you're actually already an expert at all of this stuff you just went to sleep somewhere probably in adolescence and maybe um, you had a lot of birth trauma and you had a hard time locating your uh, you know your ease or your flow rhythm early in life you know we, we We have a lot of impacts of modern life that can create challenges um, from the start and the original intelligence and the blueprint from everything I'm saying exists in every person. So like, I'll give another example of a patient I am treating who had a fairly serious genetic disorder that rendered her completely corkscrewed and um, Choreatic with her movements. It's like jerky movements. She didn't ever really manifest in a functional integrated nervous system or neuromusculoskeletal balance. And we basically went into this deep fluid resonant state and she hummed all that stuff open. So we just kept doing it layer after layer. Maybe I saw her weekly for a good handful of months. It was a pretty severe case. And it all started to express from somewhere deep in her system that had not never really had a chance to have its, um, yeah, to have its voice or to manifest as physicality, but the blueprints in there, the body's always seeking. We, we, in osteopathy, we talk about the health with a capital H it, it's, it's an intelligence and a potency it we're born with it. It does not diminish we simply dissociate from, from it. So as we come back into dissolving any of the density and compression that we inherit, or, um, I don't even consider this necessarily a bad thing. It's a difficult thing, but we come into this world, we have lots of challenges. And then our journey here is to relate to those things and sometimes grow through them sometimes grow because of them. Right? So, um, it can become really inspiring and, and fascinating and personal and vulnerable to almost like archaeologists excavate our way back through all these layers um, that we, we uh, inherit um, back down into something more original, our essential being.
0: You've mentioned the heart a few times and you mentioned the word coherence a few times uh to me like when i hear the heart and coherence i think of like heart brain coherence and heart rate variability and those type of things i think you probably have a bit of a different um
1: no it's all the same thing those are simply that's just
0: rate. one way to measure
1: yeah that's one way i mean i ah oh, i my, the story i never did tell you um Well, firstly, I want to name one thing. I'm really glad you brought up the heart right now because uh, I've seen also in my practice that not only does the energetic pattern, but the physical pattern seem to originate and return to the heart. It It just never ceases to blow my mind. So mechanically, emotionally, and energetically, the heart seems to be the great equalizer or organizer or reference fulcrum. And then, um, as a, for my thesis of my, you know, uh, my DO training, that's what I remember we started this conversation with this balance of masculine feminine, linear, cre- creative um, art and science, of medicine, and how life is all of those things. It's not either or ever. So I was attempting to bridge the worlds and, and, and integrate them in my being and in my training. And so I'm learning this, you know, subtle work with taking my time to spend a few weeks here and there with masters during my even medical school time when I was doing all my anatomy lab. And and then I'm out on my rotations in different hospitals and doing internal medicine and surgery, which I also loved. And then, um, but still, I had a most beautifully illustrative experience when I was do- working in an emergency room. That was my emergency, one of several months of working and learning to do emergency medicine. And I had a preceptor attending physician uh, who was an MD, who was a, one of these naysayers, like, oh, you guys and all that woo-woo stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm always like, oh, this could be fun. Uh, I don't tend to take take things personally. I'm kind of an East Coast person. I'm like, you know, uh, so so we had this patient come in who'd had a, you know, some healthy soccer mom person. L- literally, she was taking her kids home from soccer and she fell. She fell and she hit her head on the curb. And they took her in. Her CAT scan was negative. Her pain was off the chart, and no pain meds would work my favorite kind of situation no one else can fix it let's take you know let and i'm a resident i i don't really have a lot of experience at this point but and i am like believing in this thing i had felt it i had touched it with my mentors i was guided and i said oh let me um try to do some of this osteopathy you know and i also felt in my body like what are you what are you saying? This is a crazy, busy emergency room with people running everywhere and bells and you know alarms and people in distress and I just went in there. I sat down. I, I held her head. I didn't even know what I was doing. but I knew enough firstly to know about the cranial base and the brain stem and just the contact there can be so powerful. I knew enough to feel, that I would not be blunting any wave that was coming through her, uh, body. Cause I, I, we don't, we don't grab, we have to feel the pulse and match it like a surfer on a wave. I did this thing. I noticed the bells. I just made note of them without an opinion. <laughs> and I literally, it was 10 minutes and this woman, whatever happened, things came into phase, some synchrony happened, her body, recognized life again and wasn't blown out like a deer in headlights completely dissociated and disconnected is my suspicion of what you know, that's what a Trump that's a shock state. Um, Sometimes meds can relieve it sometimes not if the being actually wants something more refined and deeper, a drug isn't really going to cut it. Um, And so she literally hopped up and skipped out. And she was so, and and then the doctor, he was like, well, um, that was really amazing. And he said, um, <clears throat> you know, my grandfather was a DO. And I was like, oh, I guess you're okay then. <laughs> so the tables turned. He happened, this gets getting back to heart rate variability. It's a long way to answer, respond to your bringing that up. So he said, look, I run the hyperbaric unit, and we have all this really sensitive equipment that measures physiologic change. Let's do some research. And I was in the p- a position of having to come up with a thesis project. So I was like, great, let's do it. So I designed a study a few different ways. Um, I knew that it was my uh, my attunement, my, my nuanced attention that was able to uh, Connect myself my own system with this greater wave, right? This is what happens in meditation we resynchronize with we get quiet so we can entrain again with this rhythmic motion and this Integrated coherent resonant motion of life once we do that all as well Um, so I was um, Trying to figure out how could I test touching someone's head without this awareness, just being checked out and touching it with the conscious, with with this conscious connection to this larger thing. So the first design of the study was that I would listen to an audio tape and be tested on it so that I couldn't divide my attention. But that wasn't really, just didn't quite, you actually can, you can multi, you can multitask. Um, you you only really need a tiny little bit of your attention really to attune to this thing, kind of like peripheral vision, kind of like those um, optical illusion posters where if you try really hard to see the image and all the speckles, you won't see it, and then you give up and you turn away and the image emerges. And it's really because it's not more looking. It's this nuanced right amount of... Awareness that will have you see this pretty much invisible thing until you're in it. And then it's really really loud Um, and So the way I designed the study ultimately was to just have some person like a front office person um, Do the holding of the head that was it was specific to the head, which isn't even really that Real, it's it's really not a mimic of nature, but that's it was having to be um, you know simplified in terms of variables for consistency. Anyway, long story short, the outcome was outrageous. What we saw when we analyzed the data was the heart rate variability of the human uh, by this transcutaneous ox, ox, oximetry um, assessment was um, hugely. Uh, statistically significant which then we know that heart rate variability is a mirror of the autonomic state now to me at this time in my life I look I look at that and I'm like duh that's pretty much all of medicine that's enti- the entirety of what's relevant about being in a biological system but at the time and I, I would say even in most of medicine the concepts are still a little elusive This concerns me, Michael. However, I'll tell you, in the class I taught last year, I took 30 doctors through the seven things and kind of like the reasoning around why we would do all of this and some real-time practices. And I took a poll. Maybe half of them were cranial osteopaths. Some were family practice docs. Some were different specialties. There wasn't a single person who'd even heard of heart math. I I just I wanted to know right like is this on your radar as so I'd love the technology simply because it's like a biofeedback tool anyone can carry with them and tell whether or not whatever they're doing with their breath their attention their if they're actually in coherence as measured by this right oh you're actually in your heart you're actually not you know, spending your whole day in frustration, you are attuning to what you're grateful for. And what happens is people recover from illnesses. Like their, their nervous system spends more time incoherent than not, which allows the immune system to work and also and allows the body to rest in a responsive, response-able, um, you know, integrated state that, uh, that supports all the physiology and then they get better.
0: I usually oh. have one of their gizmos on my desk that I would lift up right now, but I'm in between moves, so it's in a somewhere else. Yeah. But uh I've interviewed Roland twice from mm-hmm. HeartMath and the research and for the science people out there who might be like foo-fooing some of what's being said in this interview. The HeartMath Institute has an outrageous amount of irrefutable studies. Like when he started throwing out some of the things that they how you were talking about yours with the the changes in heart rate variability of the person receiving just the mm-hmm. what do you call that sub-occipital what was what was sub occipital
1: yeah uh, brainstem region
0: they've shown that replicatable with different without someone holding their head um, or or touching them like they had trained people who have learned some of these practices in a room at a table with untrained people who didn't know they were even being monitored. Who are just sitting at a table with some strangers to them mm-hmm. and the whole study that they're supposed to participate in is literally just go sit at that table you mm-hmm. don't have to do anything just sit there mm-hmm. and they measured those people's heart rate variability mm-hmm. when the trained individuals started mm-hmm. doing their thing mm-hmm. it's, it, it's music it, it, Michael. Shifted, it shifted the people who had no idea what was going on
1: yeah you don't need to touch a person to sing in harmony. We're just talking about waveform. There are so many scientific groups demonstrating this really base, these very basic principles of nature. People, this is not esoteric. It's not um, new woo woo or any kind of fringe. It's the basis of everything. And um, I actually had a list here. I'm not always so good at holding on to names, but I came across this one researcher. I guess I'll start collecting them because there's so many brilliant brilliant minds around the world collecting data on, um, to me what is, is so obvious, and then we have so much um, impression from a less resonant way of thinking about existence and living in it that we, I think what happens, I imagine what happens is our systems and our psyches become quite dense and, and not quite um, penetrable to our knowing of these things on a deeper um, than intellectual level. Because we all do. There isn't a single person who couldn't get back there if they intended to do it. They would need to be doing their thawing and dissolving and resonating and also maybe experiencing some of the very difficult and confronting aspects of moving trauma out of the body, right? It can. It, it sometimes isn't meant to happen because the um, elements of safety that would allow it to move aren't present. So it may not even be a good idea without the right conditions, right? These are the kinds of intelligences that a society that actually you know, had the wherewithal to support healing at at a deeper level would be putting in place, right? How do we actually support people moving through? Um, We'd have a lot more, in other words, knowledge of responding to trauma in the medical world because it's still not that understood, Um, not regarded as relevant, which is um, very concerning to me, you know, When people, I think I had, I had a close friend, gosh, a a woman I love from early in life, and she's a therapist. And I said uh, she's telling me about all this physical stuff and health stuff that's happening. I'm like, honey, you need to start moving your energy. And she's like, what does that mean? I'm like, you got some catching up to do. This is some really basic stuff, right? And you're not going to really be able to be in service to others. If you don't um, you know resource yourself and log on to this larger pool of um, power and intelligence.
0: I hope all the practitioners out there hear that because I know so many who run themselves into the ground trying to help people and don't resource themselves. So that's we, our training. We can't be uh, <laughs> we can't be a resource for others if we're not resourced ourselves. and I've had to learn that the hard way too as a full-time caretaker for several different periods of our life with my wife's health situation that if I'm not taking care of myself and putting my, myself into a state that is health, healthy, I guess I'll just, I don't know how to use the, the mm-hmm. same flowery, flowery language that you do. Resource. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm, not much, I'm not much good to her. Yeah. And so, um, well, where, can people go who want to learn some of these practices
1: um i'm really really excited to tell you because i actually first i want to couch that the stuff i teach is the fun easy stuff i mean i really do think it's like the source of reconnecting with delight about being in a body but um and i just had a um a team come together around writing this all in the book and it's not, i've already written a lot of it so it's being compiled in a book And I also just yesterday launched my class for practitioners. So this is an MDDO um, continuing medical education, 20 hour program that starts in January. And I would love everyone out there to send, um, let's see, they can go to my website, michellevenezianodo.net forward slash courses. And it's, I'm enrolling now right through that portal. I really want to teach every doctor in that exists, <laughs> um, and I love it if patients would you know even reach out to their own physicians and say, "Hey, this is available." We all need credits, so it's an it's something that we could be. There are a few continuing medical education offerings that are about physician self care, so this is a very physician self care focused program. And then I have um, a study group on Facebook that. I just started it for fun because I really love engaging with people from different disciplines. We have continuum movement teachers, we have breath instructors, we have yoga people, we have tantric people, um, we have craniosacral people, we have osteopaths. All in there, kind of joining their wisdom, and really, it's a social. It's it's for it's for collaborating communally, right? Because the really um, life is about. Um, coherent life is about all contributing our medicine and our we we all have different gifts we're all we're all taught in our conditioning to kind of play all the roles like you were saying before you're playing so many roles that aren't who you are that's bringing you out of coherence but when we join more communally we all contribute the thing that really lights us up and that creates a sort of synergistic whole is greater than the sum of the parts um, vitality experience that's really generative for every person so my classes are that kind of experience we come together as a group find out where it is that we can bring um it's a it's also we go into polyvagal theory and co-regulation and um social engagement as an and and that gets to the waking up of the heart and the reconnectability and balancing of the nervous system that are all really essential for this surrendering of our rigidity that's required to find ourselves back in coherence and flow. So those are three things, right? The website with the course, the Facebook group, totally free, open to everyone, and the book that's coming soon that I'm I'm really, really excited about.
0: You have an ETA on that? I know books are tough to predict.
1: Um, middle of next year, it's 2022, Great. I would say.
0: Thank you so much. I look forward to connecting more and good luck on the book. (laughs) (laughs) And that wraps up another episode of the Natural Evolution Podcast. Thanks for listening. And please check out the links in the show notes below to learn more about our guest and grab your free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit, which will help you implement what you're learning here and make powerful shifts in your health and your life right away. Just go to www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations and you can be started in only a few minutes. If you enjoy the show, please drop a rating, review, or subscribe to stay in the loop with future releases.